Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 37 of Soul Lead Saturday. The guest we have today, Oren Eni, is a frequent blogger at ind.com, has over 15 years of experience in the development world, who strongly focuses on the Microsoft and .NET ecosystem. He is an internationally acclaimed presenter, appearing at DevTech and many more progressive .NET conferences. Sharing his knowledge via conferences and written works such as DSLs in Boo, Domestic Specific Languages in .NET, published by Manning, and the deep dive into RavenDB book, Inside RavenDB. He remains dedicated and focused on architecture and best practices that promote quality software and zero friction development. So we will not wait and let's welcome him and hear more about his passion towards the development and how did he find his, his passion and managing to lead that over 15 years. So welcome Oren, really appreciate your time on the show. Thank you very much for having me. So to begin with, uh, when I came across your profile, uh, you worked for you know, uh, Israel Defense Forces as an officer. And then after you move towards the development field, like, you know, software engineering side. So now you are a founder and CEO of DaveNDB. How did you, uh, you know, how did that journey happen and uh, what do you enjoy the most? We have mandatory uh, army duty in Israel. Uh And I think, I don't know where I started loving computers. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't recall that far. Uh, I remember uh, getting an XT machine, and I think I was six, seven, something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but I always knew that I wanted to uh, uh, work with computers as uh-huh. my work and my, my hobby, my passion, all of that. Uh, and then I got to the army, uh-huh. and there is an interesting phrase in... Uh, in English, that is called the, I'm probably killing the word, but exigencies of the service, mm-hmm. which basically means that whatever the army needs, this is where you go. Oh, okay. And okay. Uh, because of that, I got to the army and I said, I really like to uh, work on computers, mm-hmm. and they sent me to prison. Mm-hmm. I spent four years in prison. I was, I started out as a prison command, as a prison guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last job at the army was a prison commander uh-huh. uh, and I worked on uh, multiple prisons during that time frame. Uh-huh. Uh, small recommendation for anyone who is listening to that, don't go into prison. Uh-huh. Don't go into prison as a prisoner, as an inmate, don't go into prison as somewhere to walk in. Uh-huh. It seriously messes up with your mind. But uh, you ask what is, uh, how is it? How, how did that journey happen? That yeah. you transformed and, your career, actually. You were completely yeah. in the different world mm-hmm. and you moved towards the software development and now you like own yeah. your own firm. So how do Try you... to imagine. Yeah. I'm 80, 19 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. a stereotypical nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, my idea of talking to people is uh, through ICQ. Mm-hmm. And... Suddenly, they put me in a place where I have to talk to people. Uh-huh. I have to also talk to some fairly unpleasant people. Uh-huh. And I have to get them moving and walking and doing the things that must be done. Uh-huh. And effectively, my entire 
term in the army mm-hmm. was all about uh, people and working mm-hmm. with people and understanding people and mm-hmm. understanding that sometimes you can't help some people. <laughs> and uh, there isn't any amount of money you could pay me today to mm-hmm. go through that again. But the person who went into the army was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he had a, and the person who left the army was an adult. Mm-hmm. And they had very different mindset about mm-hmm. a lot of things. Just to give you some idea, at age of 20 or 21, I was the uh, second in command in a company. Mm-hmm. And under me, I had 180, uh, sorry, 480 people, inmates, mm-hmm. that were my responsibility. Mm-hmm. If I was working in the uh, civilian prison, mm-hmm. that position is usually filled with someone with 50 to 20 years of experience, age 35 to 40 at the minimum. Mm-hmm. And... But I had all of that responsibility. I had all of those requirements, and I had too much whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. And after that, after, the, uh, after I got off the army and I sat down and, and really thought about that, mm-hmm. okay, I have a challenge, but I already dealt with bigger challenges, and mm-hmm. I could handle them, maybe not in the ideal uh, manner. Mm-hmm. But I dealt with them. Mm-hmm. When I started my company, and just to give you some uh, background, I, after the army, I went and was a software consultant, software consultant for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And then I went and became independent consultant in uh, February of 2008. Mm-hmm. If you remember the timeline, there was a minor financial crisis at the time. And I remember sitting down and doing the worst case analysis. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to go and work on my own. And <laughs> I have to do things such as issue invoices, make sure that I get the money, a whole bunch of other stuff like that. <laughs> What are the worst case scenarios? The, and I planned in advance. Mm-hmm. So here, here is how I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. And the uh, situation was that, okay, if I'm going to fail, it's going to be set me back a year or two. Mm-hmm. I would lose some of my savings. I would have to go back and become a, an employee somewhere, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't end losing my shirt. I wouldn't end up with, a, a, you know, having to sell my house, all of, all, mm-hmm. all of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that Those two things, the, uh, I've dealt with harder stuff before mm-hmm. and planning explicitly mm-hmm. how to fail were very helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember getting my first employee, that's 2011. Mm-hmm. And my assumption was that, okay, this is, now I've been an officer, I've commanded people in, in the past, but... Commanding people in the army and actually having employees are two very different things. And uh, I remember sitting down and thinking about that and knowing, okay, I have too much work to be able to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And I was very worried about 
taking on the responsibility for another employee. Mm -hmm. So I actually uh, waited for quite some time before I had enough cash at hand to pay this new employee for three months, even if I had no further income. And uh, for people who want to build mm -hmm. companies and uh, businesses, mm -hmm. having cash at hand is amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, it means that uh, come the fourth of the month, mm -hmm. you don't have to uh, figure out how you can hustle for mm -hmm. salaries or rent or those sort of things. Mm -hmm. And I was very conservative about the way that I, work. Mm -hmm. I built things. And the fact that I had, okay, this guy has three months of salaries and uh, it's in the, the in the bank. If I have no money coming for three months, I'm still mm -hmm. okay. And but I only got the employee after the monthly revenue was enough to actually pay, to also pay for him. Mm -hmm. So that meant that this uh, uh, money in the side become a general nest egg. And mm -hmm. if I had some unexpected expense, mm -hmm. oh, uh, the car had a, 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 had a puncture and the, mm -hmm. a, the shop says that we also need to replace the brakes. Okay, it's not going to break the bank. It doesn't mean that I have to go and have a, con have a conversation uh -huh. with a, 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 the clerk in the bank about, okay, how mm -hmm. much money can I get right now? Those sort of things. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped a lot to uh, for a peace of mind overall. Mm -hmm. The downside of doing things this way is that it meant that uh, we were constrained in our growth. So you typically have people that uh, you hear about startups that they grow by 100, 200 employees in a year. We went from uh, one employee in 2011 and right now we are about 30, 35. Oh, wow. And yeah, so it took me a decade to go there, but Throughout this process, for mm -hmm. the most part, I didn't have to uh, uh, lose sleep about how am I going to make the, the salary, how I'm going to make the rent. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a lot of that also depends on what it is that you're trying to do. Mm, yeah. I, so very, yeah. very interesting points that you mentioned, actually. Uh, and that purely shows that why you are leading your area of interest because you mentioned that you never afraid of the failures or it's very important to take the risks and you know and one more important aspect which i can see in the business which is like you know finding an opportunity and building the business so thank you so much for sharing and moving towards our next question it is about uh, your defense forces job so do you have any kind of you know uh, memory where you know, you would, you learned a lot and you would like to share that specific experience. You already mentioned a couple of things actually from your prior work experience with the defense. The, but anything specific? I don't know if I can quantita mm -hmm. quantify it, mm -hmm. but uh, I told you, I worked in prison. My whole day mm -hmm. was about second the dog is annoyed uh my whole day was about talking to people and uh, uh, 
getting them where they were supposed to go and oh. doing the things that they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And that's good. That meant, yeah, and that meant that I had to develop mm-hmm. absolutely against my will, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, some form of people skill. Now, if you ask my wife, I have no people skill at all, but okay. she didn't know me back then. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that's the most uh, important thing, the uh, getting a feel for mm-hmm. people. And I, uh, for the most part, I think that uh, looking back at a decade plus of running this company, mm-hmm. uh, I'm very happy with 95 of the people that I hired, that I worked with. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely think that I can credit uh, my time in the army and all of the force interactions ahead to to that mm-hmm. yeah and uh, talking about uh, raven db actually uh, would you like to share more about it like you know how it functions and as you show as you already mentioned that you've grown a lot actually from 2011 mm-hmm. uh, but anything specific that you know how uh, day-to-day job in yeah. your phone so, like or something like raven db is a document database. It's mm-hmm. actually by now a multimodal database that allows to store data in JSON, mm-hmm. store time series information, binary data. It is transactional, distributed, and by far the most important thing that it does is it gets out of your hair. That's the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the reason it exists. In uh, 2010, 2008-9, uh, I was working on that on RevenDB, mm-hmm. and the reason I was working on it was because you, uh, my clients at the time had a lot of trouble using relational databases because oh. of the complexity of the system. Mm-hmm. And I looked at other NoSQL databases at the time, and it was like juggling knives. Mm-hmm. Everything works just fine as long as you don't miss anything, and if you miss anything, then, you know, you're picking your fingers off the floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I was what was trying to do is to provide a database that gets out of your head. One second. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, sorry, she's, very, she's being very annoyed. Uh, I wanted to create a database that, he, that gets out of your head Mm-hmm. that uh, does the right thing. And for the most part, I think that we did it. RevenDB has a lot of features that don't exist anywhere else. It's mm-hmm. able to uh, understand what you're doing in your system and adjust automatically what's going on. And looking, so you asked about what I do. Or yes, how, we, what, uh, how yeah. the typical day in your firm looks like or what does it you know, uh, facilitate? That is, yeah, that depends on uh, the role. For me, this is more at this point, mostly about uh, managing the business and the direction of where we're going, as well as look at some of the uh, more complex technical aspects. Oh, there is this big new features that I would be involved in the design and maybe some part of the implementation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some uh, more complex uh, features uh, or uh, more complex uh, uh, production issues mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. need uh, more insight, those sort of things. I came into my position from the technical track. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a significant portion of the code base of RevenDB. Uh, 
and I'm still very familiar with uh, almost every part of the, the system. Uh, at the same time, I have team members that have been in the company for 10 or nine years. Mm-hmm. So the amount of uh, organizational knowledge that we have is very high and very helpful. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, yeah, six years ago, we had to write this line of code because there was a problem in mm-hmm. this situation, those sort of things. Uh, for We are working in, a, for the developer, the, the employees in the company, we're working in a mostly agile format with two experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the team leader who are planning their uh, sprints and then uh, go up for approval. And then they're basically free for the uh, duration of the sprint to do whatever the, needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And that's the half of it. Okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing. And moving towards one of the uh, you know important aspect of your profile, as I mentioned already, earlier in the introduction as well, that... Uh, more about your blogging, actually, that, you know, you blog daily uh, for IND at uh, Ryan uh, since 2004, which is like almost uh, 15 plus years now. And uh, you have almost like uh, more than 10K readers. Tell us more about it. And why do you think uh, blogging is important? That would be an interesting thing to know. Yeah. Two major reasons why, why I blog. The first one is that I like to write. Mm-hmm. And I find that sitting down and writing in many cases is very helpful to understand the problem because you have mm-hmm. to put it in terms that someone else would understand. And that means that you have to explore avenues and uh, uh, hidden assumptions that you mm-hmm. uh, that you had. Another thing is that this is really good for organizational knowledge because mm-hmm. now I can go and say, okay, I remember... A, a building this, but it was six years ago. I have no idea what actually happened in my mind. I can go to a blog post and read that and understand what's going on. Okay. It is also very helpful for knowledge sharing inside the company. So also all of the things that are helpful to write in general. Okay. What is really important uh, is that this is also very helpful in terms of marketing. Okay. Because you have people who are sitting there and seeing, okay, here is a feature, but here are also all of the other things that we do with these features that makes a difference. And here are all of the things that you need to consider, and uh, that creates a, a, a brand, that creates a, a trust in the, uh, the product that we build, mm-hmm. and it also creates uh, a community of people who are familiar with what we're doing uh, that... Uh, uh, can assist the a great example of that is in 2017 I think I posted about oh I want to add a transparent data encryption to RevenDB and yep. here is how I'm going to do that and yep. almost immediately I started getting feedbacks from readers who says oh no this is horrible uh, what you're doing is very bad it's going to cause you issues or a bunch of other stuff like that <laughs> and they pointed me in the right direction. They told me, okay, here are all of the things that uh, you should also take into account. And that was amazing. Almost uh, six months later, we went through a security audit and uh, we passed, mostly because I didn't do uh, uh, silly things, because I had outside review. 
And if you think about that, the, uh, the cost of having someone come and review uh, at the rate that we're going is very high. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I'm just trying in the blog, there is a very good chance that it will run into someone who knows someone, something about it, and then we can have a discussion. Mm-hmm. And I found that incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's great, actually, that you have, you know, a lot of, uh, like, huge community who are reading your uh, blogs. So that's really great. And... Uh, Um, definitely I would encourage people as well, audience, to check out his blogs. Moving towards our next question is about uh, building a business around any open source software. So what are our things come under it? Um, I have a series of blog posts on this very topic, but mm-hmm. I can say that about most things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hardest thing about open source projects about making money from open source is mm-hmm. why would you pay me? Mm-hmm. I already gave you, you know, here is, I gave you everything. Mm-hmm. Why would you pay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are many different uh, schemes to make money from open source. Uh, there is the charge for support. There mm-hmm. is the open core where you have some open stuff, but the most important stuff are hidden. Mm-hmm. And my approach for that was to say, you know what? I'm going to put a price in the website. Mm-hmm. I'm going to treat this project as if it was a commercial project, mm-hmm. but all of the code is going to be on the uh, in the open and under a OSI approved license. And the idea is simple. If you want to run RevenDB, Mm-hmm. You can go and get the source from a uh, GitHub, compile it, deploy it yourself, and mm-hmm. you don't have to pay anything. Yeah. But we are a database. We're deployed in professional settings, and in mm-hmm. almost all of those cases, the uh, users want to run the verify system. They want to have mm-hmm. uh, someone to call to if they need to. So from our perspective, just, okay, mm-hmm. the source is out there. I mean, I make the source available. It's not like uh, you have to uh, uh, stretch. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, if you want to use RevenDB and you come to us, okay, here is, the, uh, here is the quote, here is how much money it's going to cost, and that's mm-hmm. about it. And I think that has been uh, very useful from our perspective because mm-hmm. it means that we have the ability to look at the software As a whole. So one of the things that is often problematic mm-hmm. in uh, projects such as OpenCore or uh, that use a support model mm-hmm. is the kind of incentives that they have. If mm-hmm. I make the software too easy to use, yeah. well, that means that no one is going to pay for support. Yep. Yep. So I have an incentive to make it more complex. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to with OpenCore model, well, I have very... Uh, uh, problematic balance. Mm-hmm. I want to give as enough in the open uh, system for you to come in, but not enough so you wouldn't buy. And uh, in many cases, you see features such as security mm-hmm. not making the cut into the open core. Mm-hmm. And for, that's one of the reasons why you see things like uh, Elasticsearch being so often a, a hacked, and I'm mm-hmm. saying hacked in this manner because it's not hacked if, you know, you left the door open and put a welcome sign. Mm-hmm. 
because the uh, security parts of Elasticsearch is often in the commercial parts, people don't use that and they just end up with a, a server that is open to the, to the public. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great actually. And you already answered my question actually. I was about to ask like, you know, when we think about the open source like culture, uh, it's very hard. It might be more competitive compared to when we think about the business, uh, when we are dealing with the open source, right? Um, but you already mentioned that, you know, how you make the business out of it. So. Thank you so much for sharing and uh, moving towards our next question in the line is uh, non-technical aspect like you know what non-technical aspects are important when it comes to building a business or having your own company. Marketing, sales Mm -hmm. and the profit and loss report. Mm -hmm. So uh, the hardest thing is not to come up with an idea. Mm -hmm. Ideas are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing is to get someone else to pay for your ideas. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the thing that they were willing to pay for mm-hmm. are stupid and boring and annoying, which is why they're willing to pay for that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, the grandiose stuff, the things that is amazing and interesting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I would love to see that, but there's no money in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that the most interesting, that most important non-technical part, and in many cases more more mm-hmm. interesting than technology, is how do you get and maintain customer and sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and beyond that, I think that's really important. The finance, knowing how much money do I have, mm-hmm. how, what is uh, uh, at what point do I have to start worrying. Mm-hmm. If I'm making $10 a month, but I'm spending eight, mm-hmm. I'm good. If I'm uh, making eight and spending 10, I'm not so good. And uh, is this something that uh, is it seasonal? Mm-hmm. August is a very bad month for sales in some cases. Mm-hmm. So I have to know that and be, be prepared for that in advance. So I will keep money from other months to, uh, to go forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that those three are the most important things that, uh, that you have to deal with. Yeah. Beyond that, there are a lot of other stuff. People skills, HR. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we had a lot of struggles moving from a you know, a 10 people company to 20 people company mm-hmm. because at that point the structure was completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are late stage stuff. Mm-hmm. First thing that you need to understand is how do I make sales and how do I uh, pay the salary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing, and that is definitely very insightful to know the audience. And uh, moving towards one more thing is that you know growth of your company that you've grown for from like one employee starting with, and then now you have like a thirty-five plus. So, uh, what are the real challenges? Uh, do you see when you look back that you know uh, when it comes to the growth of an any employer and uh, how to overcome those i'm definitely sure that a uh, lot of uh, people in the audience like you know who are aspiring entrepreneurs that would be useful for them so what would be the real challenges actually when it comes to the uh, employer growth when you when i had five people in the office mm-hmm. everything went through me uh, because I was the uh, focal point. Mm-hmm. When I had 10 people in the office, 
-hmm. Almost everything went through me. Mm -hmm. uh, when I had 50 uh, people in the office, almost everything went through me and I couldn't manage that. Wow. I was uh, like a butterfly moving from one mm -hmm. place to the next and trying to keep track of what everything is going. Mm -hmm. And I think that I kept being the, uh, the hub of all of the decisions for too long. Mm -hmm. And at some point, uh, we restructured the company and we put some hacking in place. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, the, the stage that you do it in mm -hmm. is really important. Because if you do it too early, you introduce hacking bureaucracy and no, uh, uh, no improvement in efficiencies. Mm -hmm. But if you do it too late, then there are inefficiency from having in my case, uh, everything had to go to me, and that was uh, really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's uh, one of the most important uh, things that that happened to the company. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this doesn't tend to happen if you're ready. Uh, if you're 30 people and you go up to 70, mm -hmm. then it's just expand your existing structure. Mm -hmm. But from 5 20, then you have a different, completely different structure in the company. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, definitely that is also useful, actually. So moving towards like, you know, next question is that your organization work uh, in a distributed team, right? So what are the pros and cons having the distributed system, like a distributed teams? Uh, we have a, we had, that's annoying. Uh, uh, right now, we are absolutely distributed. Everyone works from home because of the COVID. Uh, before that, we had uh, two central hubs, one in Israel, one in Poland, and a bunch of other people who are scattered around. The advantage of a distributed team is that you have very little uh, um, you have very little um, not breaking point, uh, walls that you mm -hmm. uh, have to go through at the same time. The most trivial example, the Polish team and the Israeli team don't have the same uh, holiday calendar. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, it means that uh, a lot of the communication that we have between the team members is written. Uh, it means that we have a record of that. Mm -hmm. It means that there is huge incentive to have a, a knowledge sharing in the organization because I'm already writing it down. I might as well write it in the issue instead of in the email. Mm -hmm. So three years later, I can come and see the discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, the disadvantage are that there are some things that are brainstorming in particular or uh, some of the more complex problems are better handled face-to-face. From experience, Skype or Zoom or something like that can help quite a lot in this regard. But uh, there is a lot of there is a lot of advantages of uh, you know getting up and going to grab some coffee and then pulling someone who just happened to be there. Hey, I have this and this social issue and stuff like that. There is also uh, the interpersonal communication. I think that is. Uh, much better when you have on-premise team uh, rather than the distributed one. Uh, other aspect is that I think that going to the office mm 
mm-hmm. is valuable on itself versus working from home. Uh, if only because usually the dog doesn't interrupt me in the office. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you think that when you have the distributed team that you mentioned that, you know, you have uh, some like communication overseas as well, right? So uh, do you juggle between finding the time, like uh, time zone difference when it comes to the distributed environment? For some of our team, so for most of the teams, there is one or two hour difference depending on the uh, uh, daylight saving time. Mm-hmm. But we also had teams in the States, which is nine to six hours difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had we had uh, people working with us from Australia, which is mm-hmm. 11 hours difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cases, you adjust and you schedule times that are inconvenient mm-hmm. for both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, other cases, you do a lot more stuff through email. Yeah. Uh, but again... Uh, Having a conversation in, sometimes means that you can close an issue within 10 minutes, uh, and through email, this takes 10 days, stuff uh, like that. Yeah, so yeah. even if you're working with remote, and most of the work is done through text, there is uh-huh. still a lot of value in having uh, actual conversations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. And already in your introduction, I mentioned that, you know, uh, you are into the Microsoft ecosystem, like dealing with .NET, SQL. So, which is uh, which specific language, actually, programming language, do you prefer always? Or uh, do you want? My default language would be C-sharp. I've been working on that since the alpha stages, which means that I'm closing to 20 years of work in this language. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a, we also have code bases in Python, Go, C++, C, Node.js, Java, uh, across yeah. the board. And a, in some cases, I want to, uh, uh, there is a qualitative difference in the knowledge that we yeah. have about you know we build RevenDB in C Sharp on the .NET platform. Mm-hmm. So we have a huge amount of experience and insight into how it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we built the client for RevenDB in Python, for example, mm-hmm. and we have a good grasp of how it goes, but the amount of knowledge that they have about the intricacies of the Python GC versus the mm-hmm. .NET GC is very different. Mm-hmm. I have a very good understanding of one, and I sort of know how that that one works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the, but in general, the, the programming language doesn't matter so much as the environment and mm-hmm. how everything comes together, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it really shows you are, uh, you, know, you are leading your area of interest and in managing well. So what is your leadership style and any specific leader that you always follow or admire? Uh, I like to have people uh, discuss what 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 they think, and uh, in many cases, I would rather have a conversation before making decisions. Uh, sometimes, there are some cases that it's better to say, uh, "Oh, I understand that uh, from your perspective, uh, this feature should go like this," but I think that. Uh, uh, 
my vision for this feature is like this, so we're going to do that. Uh, I try to at least hear and explain mm-hmm. uh, my reasoning, uh, but in the end, uh, um, the decision that are made in the company has to align with the, the way that I want to uh, take this company. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of leaders, um, I love it when we have a, when, when the reasoning is uh, outlined properly mm-hmm. uh, and it's clear what's going on, how things are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would actually reverse that and say that I'm more on the leaders that I don't like. At one point in the army, I had nine different people who could tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I had nine different orders, different ones, on what to do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't want to go to that level. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that uh, negative impression of leadership is most of what uh, I see. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing. And moving towards the guidance, actually. So any online books or you know, courses that you would like to recommend for the audience who are looking to build their career towards the development side? That really depends on where you want to take your career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have this book. Uh, that It's called Database Internals. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good book to understand how database work. Mm-hmm. And from the inside, not from the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a... a and this is literally a book that I have within Amrich for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to be a tech, if you want to go in the technical route, and mm-hmm. then uh, understanding how things work below the surface, mm-hmm. uh, that means that uh, is another example. I'm working in .NET, so I have here a book called Pro.NET Memory Management mm-hmm. by Conor Kokosa. Mm-hmm. And that is a thousand plus pages that explain how memory works in .NET and as well as a whole bunch of other details about how .NET yeah. works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not mandatory to read it, but it can be incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, other books that are really important, the Dinosaur book that, that talks about a operating system, any of Tannenbaum books about operating systems, or networking. Mm-hmm. In general, figure out where you want to be and mm-hmm. then read books that are two or three levels below where you are. Mm-hmm. Because uh, at that point, you will understand how things are actually working. Uh, for the same reason, uh, if you mostly work in a managed language, .NET, Java, stuff like that, spend a week or two writing in C. Not C plus plus C, so you understand how what is happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, and much more important than just reading books, if you again for the technical people, go and read code. Mm-hmm. There is a wealth of open source projects out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you uh, uh, working on React, sit and read through the uh, uh, code base of React, and then go and, uh, and look at Vue.js and look at 
multiple solutions to the problem. Mm. That way you have a good understanding of the problem space. Mm. You understand, okay, I know not only how this works, but why and what are the constraints that people have to go through. Uh, One of my hobbies is to go and sit and, and go and sit and read through a code base, and I read through the code base in alphabetical orders on the files, uh, which is absolutely not how uh, uh, the the system is typically structured. Uh, but what it gives me, it gives me a, a puzzle. Uh, I have some of the pieces in my head about how this project is working, and as I read more, I understand more and more about what's going on. But at the same time, I have to make uh, speculations. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're doing this here. This probably means that over there you have to take uh, take into account this and this. Mm-hmm. And some cases I'm right, some cases I'm not. But I, I find that this is very helpful as an exercise to expand my capabilities. Okay. okay. So thank you so much. And really appreciate your time to be the guest on my show. and it was really very insightful to know more about you as well as your career journey and your firm ravendb so i think audience is going to enjoy this episode as well so as i always say until we meet happy leading let's lead together stay safe bye for now goodbye thank you yeah thank you so much